3: Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah and I'm joined by
4: Steven via the interwebs.
3: Sound, you sound you sound good. You sound almost like
4: you're in the room with me. But just yeah. Like that's that's because, well, that's because Brad like hooks everything up like the Matrix, and I actually have an epidural um that's a large number of copper wires, one gold, but I've been told it's not worth anything, literally plugged into an outlet, sending it to rubber tracks.
3: Well, whatever you're doing, man, it is working. It fucking hurts. Yeah,
4: it sounds painful.
3: (laughs) Today on the podcast, we have Evan Weiss, uh, who you may know from Into It, Over It, There, 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 Pet Symmetry, and a bunch of other bands. And we have a very special guest host, Dan Ozzy from Noisy.
4: Dude, Dan Ozzy, like, kills me. That dude just makes me laugh just by being himself. He just cracks me up. Good, Good dude.
3: He's great. The only thing that bugs me about him is that he, I feel like he's way too humble because we've t- tried to get him on the podcast to do his own episode or do our live podcast and he's always like, no one cares about me. I don't want to do it. I'm like, dude, we're asking you.
4: Like, we yeah. wouldn't ask you if we didn't want you to do it. And now we got him roped in. So see you with the live one in December.
3: Yeah, we've got him, we've got him roped in. So yeah, we have a live one coming up soon uh, or in a couple months or at some point. Uh, details will be released soon. I think we should... We're talking to some really cool people though, including... We haven't talked to Dan Ozzy yet, but we will.
4: Oh, he's going to be there. I'm making it happen now. I'm setting in stone. Dan Ozzy will be at the live event.
3: Yeah. Um, Or, yeah. Or Yeah. We should
4: definitely get Dan. Dan, if you're listening, please do it. Dan, if you're listening, stop whining. You're coming. Just stop it. Yeah, seriously, dude.
3: It's pathetic. Uh, Speaking of what's not pathetic, Evan Weiss. Uh, And he was here with Mineral, opening those shows. And uh, he just played here the other night with american football so basically any emo band that reunites and comes to new york evan opens for
0: it's a good gig
3: yeah it's fucking awesome
0: but yeah ladies and gentlemen evan hey people this episode of going off track has been brought to you by our screen printing friends at commonwealth press if you need t-shirts or hand screen posters stickers or hoodies they are the people to use Commonwealth Press has been printing for and supporting independent ventures for over 15 years. And just for our listeners, that's right, just for you, if you go to their site, cwpress.com slash podcast, they will add an extra half dozen shirts to your order for free. Just go to cwpress.com slash podcast for more information. Commonwealth Press, screen printing and design, cwpress.com. Check them out. Their stuff is good. And they like us. And we like them.
3: Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. Um, today we have guest host Dan Ozzie. Hey, from Noisy. Hi. How's it going, Dan? Oh, it's going well. We recently went to a baseball game together.
2: We, you're underselling that. <laughs> Jonah got us tickets, row one, seat one at Yankee Stadium, behind. <laughs> home plate
1: I saw the photos of that
2: <laughs> you're like it was in there like a great shot of you just like,
1: eating
3: a hot dog behind yeah, the-, <laughs> well, the food was unlimited and free we went yeah, to town it was, very, it, <clears throat> it was very decadent that was Yankee Stadium yes that was Yankee Stadium so the Mets don't give you that kind of treatment I don't know <laughs> I don't know I usually don't get that kind of treatment anywhere I
2: was I was telling Jonah that like my cousin is a, a NFL player and I've gone to games and no, nowhere near the treatment level that they do at Yankee Stadium Like what, they roll what out team the racco- does your cousin play for uh, he's on the Chiefs now and he was on the Jets for six years nice so yeah but nowhere just like, near the level that Yankee Stadium
3: I'm imagining you, you their but BAB. like
2: a, a you that's like three times as big as you pretty much yes yeah, pretty much he's a large man
3: <laughs> uh, I should also mention today's guest who's uh, been talking who's been talking Evan <laughs> aka Intuit Over It hey How's it going? Hey. And we're also joined by Evan's manager, Chase. Who's probably a, <laughs> lot not, he's to, to a lot of people listening. Not allowed to talk. Not allowed to talk. But probably a lot of people listening to this might know too. La- everywhere.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's the other way around. I just wake up and i am in a in a bubble, and someone has to just take me outside. Because otherwise, I'll just sit on my couch and watch episodes of Bob's Burgers all day.
3: Chase, <laughs> Chase actually gave Evan a script of what to say. <laughs> he's reading it right yeah. now. He
1: was creative director.
3: Yes, truly um and act one scene one <laughs> you're in town playing some shows with mineral we are we are not just me
2: but with just three others and yes you just met mineral for the first time or no i did not still walked past
1: them <laughs> i knew it was them and i i got shy and i didn't know i didn't know like which one of them is actually in the band or mm. if, i mean you can always tell because who were you know who are the old guys know, it's like okay if there's the four <laughs> old guys walking past me that's probably them but uh Yeah, I didn't, I got, I got, I got really bashful. I didn't want
2: to say that. So how did you book a tour with like this legendary reunited band having no, did not knowing them, having no not like. And being apparently terrified of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Terrified. It's like, you know, like a (laughs) skeleton in my closet. Um,
1: no, we got, we had a lot of people. I mean, obviously we wanted to do it. I was telling Dan out in the hallway that they're one band that everybody in the van can agree on that we all really like. And that was like a big deal to a lot of us and uh i'm not exactly sure how it all worked out but i know we had a lot of people who were um trying really hard to like get us on the tour you know like kind of whispering in the bands you like hey this band into it over it like you know they're, they're cool guys and they, they like you guys a lot and they'd be really <laughs> cool um which you know we're endlessly grateful for and my emails with chris have been really jovial and funny but we didn't exchange any pictures. So for me to know what he looks like, I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, how I'd, would have, to one be, I'd in... have to
2: appear stalkerish to <laughs> know, like, hey, you're Chris, right? You know, like, there's no... <laughs> how would one in the internet era know what another person looks like? Dude, I've deleted...
1: Okay, so let, we could talk about this. Yeah. I've deleted my personal
2: social network. I saw, I saw you were going out. Because
1: going it was driving me crazy. Hours, what was hours driving me crazy day. about it? Facebook, man, was, was destroying my life. Yeah. I realized that I was spending two to four hours a day just can I swear on this yes just liking shit <laughs> <laughs> just like scrolling through like oh Those yeah that's the cool inoffensive oh swearing or, you, know, <laughs> like <ever> <laughs> way. you know and so uh, and so you know and it was also bumming me out you know I have a lot of friends who are, who are socially conscious in a lot of different levels whether you know depending how I met them like whether it was through school or through music or through punk or through going to shows or you know whether they live in the Midwest or whether they live on the East Coast or you know and so scrolling through a feed during especially a month of really gnarly uh social political things going on it made it was depressing me i'm like you know reading these articles and finding myself getting sucked into arguments and uh you know being told that i'm not just because i'm not posting about these certain issues that i'm that i don't care enough you know like oh you know if you really cared about uh what's going on in ferguson you wouldn't be posting about robin williams and it's like you don't police my facebook feed like just because right, i'm right, not like right. just because i'm not posting about these things doesn't mean that it, i don't care about them you know it, it's like i'm going to facebook to like look at goofy photos of my friends and fucking find out where the, where right. the punk show is i'm not going to like well, you have. I go to the news. I go to cnn.com Phone to read the news. You know, like. You know. So
3: you're not like squaring off with the cops by like posting a link on Facebook, right? Like that's not like that's not activism. That's, I, you yeah. can't like go on the internet and
1: like a post and be like, I, you know, I did it. Today. I did I'm, my part. today. I'm, I'm out I'm later. Contributing. Holy crap! I, Who the fuck is fucking take calling call. me right now? Take, take it. Shut it's, up, mom. It's the cops.
2: <laughs> it's literally my mom. <laughs> <laughs> now joining us on the podcast
1: is Evan's mom. I wish I'd answered it now in retrospect. Um would have had a
2: couple So, to if I remember correctly, <laughs> though, your your Facebook, like, not the Intuit over at one, your personal, it, like, you had, like, a lot of, like, f- uh, friends, like, well, a couple I mean, thousand. It, Did you just, like, dude, it, I, accept all of them?
1: Yeah, it kind of got to this point where I, I remember, like, this one thing happened where uh, someone who I didn't know or maybe had met once added me on Facebook and I declined it. Mm -hmm. And I got a message being like, I'm your biggest fan. I've gone to all these shows. Like you denying my friendship request that like devastated me, you know, like I was just like, you know what? Me just adding someone on the internet is not worth like ruining somebody's day. Like my, Hmm. my, my personal life is not going to be
2: right. I don't know. I kind of have like a, uh, like a, my Twitter and Instagram or whatever is open and, sometimes people can use that as a forum uh, and do use that as a forum to tell me, like, hey, kill yourself, asshole. And, like, you know, that's... Like, I didn't like the review that you wrote of my favorite band. You call this journalism? You call this journalism? That's our favorite one. Um, So, yeah, like, and that's fine. Like, you're welcome to do that on Twitter. You know, like, you can just send me an app message or whatever, but Facebook, I feel like my mom can see that. Yeah. And I don't want my mom seeing some idiot... Just telling me to kill myself, so yeah, I, I mean, kind I've, of, I've never
1: ran into that problem, so. right? Right. right. <laughs> but I, I did think see
2: th- you got into a little spat about your video that you released yesterday.
1: I did with this guy Aaron B. Brown. I don't know who he is. I don't is know, know who some, he is either. But he, he didn't, from what I could gather, well, he was like a, a right-wing uh, blogger mm-hmm. from St. Louis, and, and what, he, what was the issue? He thought that the video's message.
2: Evan released a video yesterday. I released a video. An of, animated. It's,
1: it's an animated v- video about a, um, essentially the story is, you know, like a owner is um, neglecting his dog and the dog decides to run away. You know, it's like carrying a hobo sack and runs away and realizes that the real world is really tough and then, um, you know, kind of becomes the hero and then the owner realizes what he had done and goes back and finds the dog and then they reunite and everything's, you know, much better. It seems like both of them are, um, you know, making good. And this guy, you know, basically took the video, like, completely in the wrong direction. Or, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, just uh, the best way... uh, Man, I should (laughs) just fucking pull
2: it up and just read it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought that the possible perception of the video that maybe people would have an issue with, um, because I sent it to my friend who's a dog lover, and her response was, why did the dog have to prove himself to the owner like why can't yeah, was the kinda, owner that love was kinda, the dog unconditionally that was the thing, you
1: know and it's like well dude not everybody you know people make mistakes and then they realize what they're doing wrong and you know they like that's life you know and also it's a fucking cartoon, man. It's a dog <laughs> carrying a hobo sack riding a bus. Like you don't need to like really investigate it. It's got an optimistic ending, and it's you know the dog saves the day, and the owner realizes what he did wrong. It's like
2: right. If
1: you're reading into it
3: further than that, then you're kind of missing the point. And this is not this is not at all where I thought you were gonna go. I thought you're gonna be there's a super intense video. With, like, this girl gets murdered. It was I mean, the I mean, there is a animated dog
1: a gun crime with at some a point. You know?
3: Yeah, like I'm. You
1: know, no, it's it's. Uh, Hang on, I'm queuing up these tweets right now.
0: Oh, guys, we're
2: <laughs> that's my mom's
1: that's my mom's voicemail. My mom we should voicemail. listen to
2: it live on air, but the only condition is you can't pre approve it.
1: No, that's the thing. She she might be yelling at me for not picking up my phone, or it could be
2: like a sad thing, like
1: you never answer when I call. Do you have
2: a very strong uh uh relationship with your mom? I love my mom.
1: Mm-hmm. My parents are me awesome. Me
2: too. That's why I don't want her to see <laughs> that, that people tell me to my, kill you myself. Love my yeah. Mom. <laughs> yeah, I love Evan's mom. Yeah. I love
1: my my connection in my relationship with my parents is is fucking kick-ass. And they've always been supportive of me and um allowed me to be, you know, myself and uh and never try to change that. And but my mom uh doesn't have I don't know how to exp- I don't know how to phrase this without her possibly hearing this and getting upset with me. She <laughs> is a fear of embracing technology, mm. as well. As she um, like she thinks that cell phones will give her cancer.
2: Oh, like you know physical
1: I mean? fear. Yeah, like, of yeah. It. So you know, for me to try to Aaron B. Brown, let me cue
3: these tweets up real quick.
1: I, at one point, he asked me how old I was because he thought that I was a brainwashed youth for having made this music. Oh yeah, by, by the way, word, I'm assuming that someone
3: named Aaron B Brown is like 75 years old at Dude, least. Dude, he looks like, like that he name. looks like uh, um like
1: what's the uh, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, my mom, my mom is fucking great and I I think if it's it's tough though because she always calls when I'm in like right now, we're talking and right. we're on this podcast, you know, and she always like manage. I don't know how she does it. It's like the super power mom strength. She's able to call me and know that I'm in the middle of, of doing it. We're like, you oh, know, hey, I can't really talk right now. And uh, and then by the time I'm ready to talk to her, it's two in the morning, you know, and I can't call my mom at two in the morning. I mean, I guess I could, but you know, she wouldn't, wouldn't be awake. But if she just, if she texted, right. my communication with my mom would go up like 275%. Have you voices to her? What's that? Have you, have totally. You, yeah. You know, and I'm like, Mom, just get a cell phone. It'd be, it, we'd talk so much more. You're upset that we don't talk a lot? She she's like, email? But she, well, so <laughs> going back to Facebook, she got like heartbroken that I deleted my Facebook. She thought it was, mm. she thought it was like our only open line of communication and that I was doing it to like cut off communication <laughs> with my mom. I was like, Mom, you don't get it. Like, I'm sitting on the internet all day when I could be like going outside. <laughs> you know, I could be like riding my bike or going on an adventure and, you know, I don't need to, um,
2: my mom likes Facebook for the same reason. She's like, oh, I can keep track of what my kids are doing. Yeah, you know what? I it's, just saw I you at the baseball that. game with your friend Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, uh, just as Evan is scrolling through his phone, I feel like I, now's a good you know, time to is, mention that Jonah and I went to the Yankees game with Jonah's parents. We and did. they
3: are lovely people. My parents are also pretty also, cool. But, so we but, all but have but, very good parents. But also have some weird technology issues. Yeah. But they text. They're good at mm. that. Uh, but... I don't know if they, they might not want me talking about this, but they, yeah, I won't talk about it. I'll tell you later. <laughs> 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 well, leave the good stuff. For, well, let tell you, later. like you know, like, yeah, like she, she can,
1: she's incredible. Like she can make like mosaic jewelry and like sand metal and like do all sorts of crazy, fucking building stuff around the house, and you know, but then she can't make the V, uh, the DVD player work. Right. It's like, how do you know how to do all this crazy?
3: stuff well, and like what I, I think it's like sometimes it's like a confidence thing too like i tell my parents all the time when they can't do something i'm like you can do this you just need to sit down and try to do it like you yeah, think like, you can't you can't be afraid of failing yeah you're like if you fail one if you can't figure it out the first time yeah. especially technology
2: now it's, it's well, my dad like wants to like for for christmas or for every for his birthday he'll be like oh i want a ipad like whatever the new thing is and to me it's just like Uh, Not because like I don't want to spend the money getting my dad an iPad, but I know that you'll have to teach him how to use it. Yeah, it's like a it's a
1: bonding experience with your father. It's like an
2: anti-gift from to me (laughs) that I have to like sit and teach him how to use the iPad. You know, not to not to distract,
1: but while I'm while I have this up, this was Aaron B. Brown's tweet about my music video. What a sick, manipulative, morally corrupt message, emblematic of an entirely brainwashed generation. Wow. A dog <laughs> with a hobo sack riding a bus and going out to the real world, stopping a crime, and then being reunited also, with his
2: owner. Also, I'm sorry, I feel like maybe, do you think it's because it, it premiered on NPR? Yeah. And I'm wondering... Well, he just if, saw it on NPR. He didn't... I'm wondering... And then if,
1: he had no clue. He admitted openly that, right. he had, that he didn't read the blurb about it, which explained what the song was about and what the video was about, and then that he...
2: Uh, I mean that basically. Well, I mean that basically yeah. sums it up. He but had it, no clue. But what he do you was think watching. it's just like it's kind of weird, mm-hmm. right? It must be weird for you because, like, when you get your songs premiered on various or you know videos premiered on various outlets, it's like you're now susceptible to the respective audiences of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, at Noisy, we have like a very like too cool for you know young kind of music listener, but then at NPR, maybe you're dealing with like the snootier guy who drinks coffee and listens to jazz and you know like you're open to all these different audiences it was
1: interesting too how the the response changed per when npr premiered it and when we got to post about it Mm. because it was strictly just npr listeners who maybe weren't familiar with the band up until you know two hours after it went online um which is cool that it got to like a bunch of people who might have never seen it before but then you know when you when i'm being told that i'm a brainwashed youth (laughs) Which is flattering that he thought I was young, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm being told that I'm a brainwashed youth
2: by you know this
1: you so know right that, and conservative it, it, guy, I was
2: I was following the interaction. I don't even recall how I saw so you guys started, So you started talking with him. Oh, I would just want to I didn't wanted to see where he was coming from.
1: Yeah, because it was because he because it wasn't just like he made one tweet. Because I just read one right there, but there were like six in a row right, saw, where yeah. he was like going on a tangent to NPR about it and with me on copy. So I'm able to see all of it, and so. It was like, if it just stopped at one tweet, like him being upset, I would have been like, you know, whatever. Okay. But he was like going on a rant, like looking for someone to respond to him. And it's like, okay, man, if you're going to keep going, like I'm going to be like, dude, what's your problem? Like, what do you, you know, stop <laughs> or at least like untag me so well, do I don't have to
2: look at this. Get that some, <laughs> do you get that often? Because I, I was reading the interaction and I was like, whoa, Effin must not get a lot of blowback like this. I, I don't, I, if blowback's
1: fine, I can handle negative criticism. It's when it seems. Over like like it's like when it seems like it's like uh uh you know someone's just really like like hey hey you suck hey you suck on a personal level you you suck you know like really poking at you it's Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna keep poking i'm gonna be like dude what's your problem like what do you know what's the deal
3: i don't know if that's like the just the new jersey of me coming out (laughs) technology (laughs) is so crazy because i feel like it's never been like that like if you don't like something like oh whatever now it's like you have like a direct line to someone you don't know being like i don't like and they actually can see it like it's so crazy
1: yeah and maybe he thinks that like the band like doesn't but like anything that comes through like the Intuit over it stuff online like i see all of it Mm -hmm. anything you know so like if you make a snide remark or like i know it's there and i know that you said it and you know so when he just kept going off it was less of me being like or actually it was less of me being like what's your problem and more me being like what don't you understand? How
2: can I help you understand? <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> you were customer service for yeah, yeah. Over yeah. It.
1: You know, and I just I, it seemed like he just had like completely the wrong idea. It wasn't like he just didn't like it because he didn't like it. That's one thing. You can't convince somebody to like something if they don't like it. But when they think something means one thing and it doesn't, you know, how can I help you better understand this so you can you know? But
2: at the same time, like, you're not you're not <clears throat> responsible for explaining your art to every single person who consumes I it.
1: I would not. Mm-hmm. I would never.
2: But when yeah, when dudes
1: like going going ham on like mm-hmm. really like going off, and it's like yo, you could have written one post just explaining everything instead of making twenty tweets about why. So you,
2: for those uh, listening who want to take issue with Evan and get him to respond, just one email. Here just one is email. Keep keep succinct, tweeting him incessantly.
1: Succinct email, and I'll respond very politely. I yeah, do not do not overtly tweet a <laughs> hundred times. I'll block your ass. <laughs>
3: um, so I feel like I was talking with uh, the Mineral guys and we were kind of... Um,
1: yeah, what did they have to say? Do they They're like, who's this young scallywag? Like, we don't know. Well, we didn't really get into this <laughs> as
3: much, but I wanted to talk about um, like sort of emo because like obviously like those guys like sort of were part of like this kind of early wave and then I feel like it's turned into such a weird thing where it's like you are maybe on one side of the spectrum which, like, I feel like you kind of follow the lineage of those kind of bands. And then there's, like, the whole, like, sing, scream, like, whatever heavier stuff that's, to me, has no connection, but is also sort of, I guess, under the same umbrella. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you, you are carrying some kind of torch or, like, identify with that? Or is it just uh, what you like? I mean, it's, yeah, it's just what I like.
1: I It's different for me because I feel like a lot of the people who are up and coming in the same vein as Into it Over It is right now are... Also, all six to eight years younger than me.
3: So how old are you?
1: I'm about to turn 30. Okay. So, when, you know, in 2001, I was playing in a band that sounded just like how Intuit Over It sounds right now, you know, and no one gave a fuck about it then, you know, and it's like, we were a band up until 2008, until I started Intuit Over It. So it's like, really, I've been doing the same thing for 10 years, and it just took you know a lot more than that like going on 15 years and it's just now people are it's like gaining traction or well i mean to be fair also like i'm more confident in the songs i'm writing i'm uh, a better musician now than i was then and the band at the time my old band the progress we just couldn't ever do anything you know everyone was in school we were all really young like you know our guitar player uh was five years younger than the rest of us so when we're 16 trying to play shows he and he's 12 you know and you're like trying hey mom and dad can we eric come with us on like a weekend trip and he's like a 12 year old you know like they're not it's and and he was like a better musician than all of us like could totally play the guitar way better than any of us could uh a complete virtuoso and so but when it came to age you know we couldn't really do much even when we were 18 he was 14 you know and that's tough getting your like hey cool is it cool if eric comes with us on a you know two week trip 14 year old kid with a bunch of 18 year olds you know like no you know so um so it's a little different for me because i'm coming directly like when the 90s were trailing off i was entering high school and like have already been going to shows for a few years and that was the scene that i was a part of as a young adult or young kid so that was what i took direct influence from
3: this was in chicago
1: this was in new jersey in
3: new jersey okay yeah
1: so i grew up 15 minutes outside of philadelphia so anything that was happening in philadelphia in the late 90s early 2000s was what i was a part of and uh until you know, I was like twenty-five, so you know it's, it's a little different for me. I think because I was there, at least at some capacity, you know, and was experiencing it firsthand, and had been for a long time. So I don't think mm. I'm, I don't think I'm carrying a torch, but you know, I think that my relationship with it might be a little different.
2: Evan, and does that I answer I... your question? Yeah, I yeah.
3: No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally.
2: Um, let's. Since for the for the three listeners who were in the Jersey scene <laughs> for the late '90s and early 2000s, can we talk about that? Sure. Where, where did you go to the majority of your shows? Like at the at the church or like what?
1: The church, the Kill Time, uh, the Rotunda, Girls Inc in Delaware, the Eminem Hall. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I forgot about the that. Melody Bar, mm-hmm. Club Chrome. Yep. Uh, the downtown on Long Island. The surrounding VFWs in the area that I grew up in, which was like the Marlton, the Medford, the uh, Williamstown, um, this house called the 1619 house, you know, there it, it was in South Jersey, like living there and then being so close to Delaware, so close to Philly, so close to New York, so close to Baltimore, so close, to, even so close to Richmond, it was awesome getting to see anything you wanted to see, basically. Yeah. So, and then it, as long as you had an older friend of the car, you know, you could make anything happen so
2: I have no idea how we didn't cross paths until this year I mean year I met before. Jonah through my j- friend Joe Oz
1: mm-hmm.
3: oh really
1: yeah I used to I was the the employee at Independent One Stop really mm-hmm.
3: I totally never put that together was you, that when Rich was there
1: oh yeah we met at uh, we met at I guess the first Bamboozle
3: wow okay
1: so did he, he had the distro there yeah so I was, the, I was the only employee at Independent One Stop.
3: Really? Mm-hmm. That is wild. I was like 21. And you, was that like a f- full-time thing or was that like... Yeah,
1: yeah. It was 40, 40 to 60 hours a week. Like, you know, doing a, we did a, like half of a warped for them one year and then was in the office. So I was like the main buyer, did all the sales. Um, I'm trying to remember the night that we met. I felt like it was at, like a house party up here. And it was me and Joe. It was like one of the nights that we, um, we came up to New York for something. I can't remember what it was. And we went to some loft in Williamsburg. And I was like this young, scrappy, piece of shit kid.
4: <laughs> that is so <laughs> wild.
1: But yeah. It's so a long history. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, it's, it's kind of coming full circle at this point. But. Is,
3: I was just talking about this with someone else. Like, I remember, like, we, United Nations played a show in Canada and this guy had a distro. And I was like, man, I have not seen someone set up a distro on right. a show in so long. He's like, Is it cool if I set up my distro? I was like, Are you selling our record? And he was like, No. I was like, Yeah, it's cool. Because <laughs> remember, that was like a thing yeah. like, fa- like you'd go. Not to only fast. distros,
2: but there was there would be people selling like just buttons. Like yeah. that this guy remember that guy the who came
1: to guy. every show and just sold buttons? Do you guys remember Eric Edge? He'd show up with his backpack with VHS tapes and no. sell VHS tapes with like hardcore shows on them. <laughs> what must the market? be? Yeah,
3: you must have to sell like a million buttons to make money. Yeah, I know. Like how much <laughs> money? my friends had,
2: my friends and I like had a, we bought a button press and we were like, that's what we're going to do. We never like sold you got, them. You got like a weekend. You're well, like, we this sold sucks. them on eBay and like sometimes they went for a decent amount, which was cool, but like we wouldn't go to shows and do it. Yeah. This doesn't seem worth it. Like if you have to pay at the door, you probably lost your overhead right there. Yeah, really? There were the best
1: one of the best distro's uh ever was when um there was a period at the First Unitarian Church shows when they were happening like nightly. Yeah, yeah. That beautiful World Syndicate, which was one of the record stores in Philadelphia, would set up this like four-table record yeah. store
2: distro. And that was like half the reason to go to a show. Yeah, and totally. you could find
1: anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then you could find like $80 to $100 records for like 5 bucks if mm-hmm. you just dug, you know, and um and I used to love
2: going just for that. You Did know? you ever go to the um when they had the punk rock flea market at the church. Oh yeah. What What are your best flea market finds? <sighs> oh, no. What are
1: my best flea market finds?
2: Um, if, if any, well, Evan's thinking probably just
1: like some you know some old fucking Scream of Seven Inches or something. Yeah. Something stupid. I remember I went the the summer before I moved to Chicago. I went and I sold practically every almost everything I owned just so I could afford the move. And uh, I had like I just worked for this clothing company. And I'd bought all these, you know, for like I was like making a lot of money and I was, like, you know, they like dealt with Fred Perry. And so I had all this Fred Perry stuff and was like, yeah, like looking all sweet. And I was like, oh, I'm going to move and I'm quitting my job and I'm going to play music full time. And I was like, well, I guess I got to sell all these clothes. Yeah. And I sold every Fred Perry I had at this flea market. And I remember Andy from Paint It Black being so psyched. I think he bought like five of them. <laughs> that's, that's so funny.
3: What, yeah. Where did the decision sort of to do that and kind of pick up and go to Chicago <clears> come from? When I graduated high
1: school in 2002, Uh, I was really good friends with this dude, Shane McCauley, and, um, we were in a band together. Shane and I, uh, were hanging out all summer recording, and then he was like, hey, I'm going to Chicago for the weekend. Like, do you want, do you want to come? And the trip wound up being me, this dude, Shane, Sean, who runs R5, and this guy, Clint. And I was 18, and they were like 10 years older than me. They were like 28, 29. And they just took me to Chicago for the weekend. We had an awesome time, stayed with my friend, Andrea. And while we were there, met this dude Brian, who was from Philadelphia but was living in Chicago. Brian needed someone to sublet his apartment, and uh, and I wasn't planning on going to college, so I was like, "Oh man, how much is the apartment?" I was in the middle of Logan Square in like 2003, and uh, it was 6.50 for four months to sublet to sublet his room. So I showed up and I paid him the money and for 6.50 for the
3: entire period, 6.50 for the entire sublet.
1: Jesus. Yeah. So, I gave, show up, give him the money in full for the full period. Had worked all summer long so I'd have enough money to do the trip and then I just lived without working for like four or five months in Philadelphia. It was like the last, or in Chicago, it was the last, uh, also the last like five or six months that the Fireside Bowl was still open and so that was basically what I did. I just Mm -hmm. like made friends, rode my bike, went to the Fireside, went to, you know, hung out and um, it was one of the best periods of my life and so, Ever since then i you know, I moved back to New Jersey, got that job at Independent. And um at the time Southwest flights to Chicago were only like sixty bucks round trip. So I would go to Chicago, you know, twice a month. And uh just to hang out. Just to hang. Like take a weekend trip, you know, like every other weekend I would go out. And um and so then finally you know, I'd always that was always the plan was to move there, but it was always between bands and girlfriends and jobs and stuff like you know, so when independent one stop went out of business, And then I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. It was kind of like, all right, well now it's time to make plans to, to move there permanently. And then, yeah, that was what it did.
3: Are you still happy there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am. There was a, there was a minute earlier this year where my girlfriend, Kate, her car got robbed and then my van got robbed. And there was like a, like three or four weeks after that where I was like, you know what, man, fuck (laughs) Chicago. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm done with this. And, uh, you know, and I brought it up to Kate. I was like, hey, what do you think about moving? And she was like, eh, you know, like, no, Just talking about maybe going back to Philadelphia. And, uh, and she didn't seem too enthused. And then almost like the perfect timing, like within three or four weeks of that happening, all this awesome shit happened in Chicago. Like the, you know, the band started doing really well. And then like it was summer kicked in and our summer this year was really mild. And so it was just, you know, awesome getting to hang out all summer long. And it's like, oh, you know, Chicago's not that bad. So yeah i think i I've, I've fallen back
2: in love with it after a brief uh trial of infidelity <laughs> when, when, you, <laughs> when you come back to Jersey and philly now is it does it seem the same or does it seem like it 's changed it's philly's better than when I left you think so yeah in I what loved way?
1: it I loved it when I was young, I hated it when I was in my early twenties, and now every time I go back, I like it even more um, you know, my sister is doing really well she 's playing in this band called Marge and um And she's loving it. She's living in West Philly. She told me where her apartment was. I like had to drive her home one time when I was back here. She's like, yeah, I'm living at like 49th in Baltimore. I was like, you're living where? (laughs) You know, like, what? Get out of there. You know, it's like, isn't it demilitarized over there? You know, and (laughs) and then we drop her off and it's like beautiful, sunny, you know, trees everywhere and there's birds chirping and it's just, you know, this awesome neighborhood now. I was like, what the fuck happened? Like within the four years that I left, it's like a totally new city. Yeah. Uh, But on the other side,
2: like, you know. More expensive and
1: yeah, totally. I mean, Chicago is a pretty affordable place to live, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, that's made it really easy being able to play music for a living or attempt to and afford to live at the same time, which has been pretty fortunate. I'd you know if it was living here, there's no way. So yeah, I don't know how
2: you guys do it.
3: I don't know how don't I do know. it either. I'm just, like, I'm I just like looking. At it. I was like, these numbers don't add up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how this is happening.
2: I think the easy answer is just we don't have money. Like yeah. we we go to Yankees games that we got tickets for free and eat all of the free food that we can. I was
1: joking with a friend. We were driving here last night and we were sitting on the BQE and it was like, man, wouldn't it be weird? Like my friend goes, wouldn't it be funny to pay $2,000 to live in an apartment that's eye level with people on the BQE? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but then if you think about it this way, like you could pull a lot of awesome social experiments by having an apartment that's eye level with people on the BQE. And she's like, yeah, but you'd be working so much to afford it you wouldn't even get to be in the <laughs> apartment anyway yeah like, you want
3: to do like a social experiment it's like nope i want to go to bed yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, like, it's yeah it's it's interesting i mean it seems like you're out here a lot though well we we definitely are these next two months yeah. there's like
1: seven
2: shows in new york in like two months it's unbelievable. the last time i the last time i saw you guys you were at the bowery ballroom and i said this to you in a way that i like i was like oh please do not take this the wrong way but like isn't it so crazy that it like, You mean when you had to leave early before I said... I left before <laughs> I even classic, played. <laughs> classic
3: Dan Ozieman. I went to another
2: show and I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, How bad is yeah. that?
1: You were like, I
3: had to I Oh, had to I know go. what
2: it was. I went to go see Pup in Brooklyn, who I've since seen about five times and I apologize everyone. I'm sorry. But I did leave early, but... I'm convinced Dan works for Yeah, (laughs) Um, When I get behind a band, I'll like (laughs) really get behind them. But when I did see you, I said like, please don't take this the wrong way. But like, isn't it so crazy that just like out of nowhere, this music has kind of like gotten a rebirth and isn't it also crazy that you are just randomly seem to be like the poster boy for it? And I mean, I'm like very happy that you're doing well. But, like, isn't it so weird that, like, you know, when I feel like this music had its first wave, it would have been, like, like a band from Chicago playing the Bowery Ballroom? Like, that's crazy. It's It's been interesting to watch
1: because the, the bands that kind of kick it, at least on a completely underground level, were all starting when into it over it started. And, um... And so we all kind of came at the same time came up like at the who same would you time. say when when I was getting started it was uh, it was like Algernon Cabalder, um this band Castavette from chicago the grown ups um lot dispute Touche more uh, my heart to joy like we were all beginning at the same time roughly the same time, so we were all that was we were the bands that were like playing basements together and like you know um kind of all getting started at once you know and and there weren't any other bands kind of doing what we were doing and then concurrently most of those bands had all broken up and then other bands had shifted into you know touche went like head first into hardcore and um a lot of speeds kind of just doing their own thing and then uh and i kind of went more toward the emo side and i was the only band that stayed together from that original subsect of bands so that's the only reason i think that it's Kind of seemed more uh, ahead of the package just because I've been doing it longer, you know, and the younger bands are just getting started and Mm -hmm. they have to, they're basically starting from scratch at a different, a different point, you know, like I was getting started in 2007. So it's a little bit different for me when bands are starting in like 2010 and gaining popularity, you know. Right. Um, I think that might be the only reason. Yeah.
3: But I feel like, like timing wise, like, yeah, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like, I listen to those bands, like, I'm, like, five years older than you, and it's, like, yeah, like, growing up, I loved, you know, like, Braid and Grade, whatever, but then I feel like I didn't hear that stuff for so long, and then you started hearing it again, and now when I hear, like, Tiger's Jar or something, I'm, like, this is cool, but I can't believe this is, like, a popular band, because it always seemed to me like it was a small thing that was, like, a secret or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Tidal Fight played their, one of their first shows with with The Progress, and
1: it was in a uh, uh, boxing ring, it was like the band's actually literally played in a in a boxing ring yeah. <laughs> in Wilkes-Barre PA and they were 13 years old. Yeah. And that I was over 10 years ago. You know birth, what I mean? I they've been a band forever yeah. and they're still doing awesome, you know. And so using that as an example, it's like yeah, they've they're really popular now but they've been a band since they were in middle school, you know. So it's taken a, a the, the bands that are popular have been bands for a long time and have been working at it for a long time.
2: It's just weird, though, because there are up and coming ones, and like it's just weird when you go to a show and see bands on the same stages with people that, the, with the bands that influence them. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such a weird generational. Oh, trust thing. me.
1: I mean, no one knows better than I do. I've seen, managed to play with all of my favorite bands right. in the last two years. <laughs> and, what's the,
2: and what's the audience like for your shows, whether you take out a younger band or whether you go with an older band? Because, like, I imagine when you play these shows with Mineral, there's going to be people in their 40s but we're
1: expecting we've been the joke in the van is that we're expecting a lot of dads with tucked in t-shirts and jeans yeah right i can see that like that's been the that's been the joke
3: i'm still to go to a show where i feel young at personally.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at, at at some of your headlining shows where you bring out you know like great big pile of leaves or world is a beautiful place or something like I feel like the audience probably skews a bit younger there right
1: we have we have our crowd is generally around 26 years old Mm -hmm. and um you know so we're kind of towing this line between like i mean the people who like us are our age because we're singing about things that or i'm singing about things that are you know directly relatable to being in your mid-20s and a dude you know and it's so that's mostly the crowd are people that look just like me (laughs) right (laughs) Right? bearded (laughs) bearded 20 something guys (laughs) you know and we all have the same stuff in common and we all you know like talking after the show we're like oh you know connecting about sports or about you know uh, certain record pressings or things that we have, you know, really into, um, which is nice. You know, it's it's cool that it's connecting to the people that it would most obviously connect to, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, we definitely don't appeal to a super young crowd. Right. And it's been interesting playing to an, to an older one in certain scenarios. You know, like, I feel like because we have enough of that youthful brute force and ignorance to maybe turn some older people off. And we're punishingly loud at this point. But right. I feel like
3: you're so. also an older person going to a mineral show, like so. Like, yeah, you have to at least be sort of like into exactly s- cool stuff. Or and I you get, were at one point. And I think still it's weird, weird that like people. I think it's weird that people
1: somehow will like, like in in the genre that we're in, will like certain bands and not like other ones. And it's like, how do you, how do you delineate? Like, I remember growing up and like liking it, dude if it sounded anything like these like three bands i'd be like this is the greatest thing ever i, I like all these bands like these are right. all really good records you know, so I think it's funny when
3: people have a. Yeah, I was just talking about this with someone. Not only like things and don't like other things, but like things and then like other stuff won't be on their radar at all. Yeah. And you're like, no, these bands are always together. They're on the yeah. same label. And yeah. they're like, nah, just like this one random obscure thing. You yeah, know? yeah. It's like, what? Like,
1: yeah, wouldn't you want to? Like, don't you remember doing that? Like, you buy oh, the record, totally. and
3: You read the thank you list and you're like, all right, I
1: got to find that band. Yep. I got to find that band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was it's weird to me that that does that that's not like a more of a thing But I, I wonder guess, if
3: that is, has to do with technology as well or totally like just, yeah. yeah I mean it's because it's not it's way like if you wanted something
1: 15 years ago you'd have find it you know yeah. and, and it was like an adventure
2: almost it's not really an adventure now you just google it you then. know what I wanted to ask you about is um, just as far as music scenes coming and going you know like I feel like emo or whatever that is is having this like resurgence but a lot of the shows that you and i went to in the late 90s early 2000s in jersey and philly was like a big cluster of bands like jonah says that all like were you know grouped together that were just in this like screamo sound like neil perry and you know like orchid and then in in, like city caterpillar yeah and then that was that whole tree of like city caterpillar Caterpillar, eh, caterpillar page 99 majority rule um but like that seemed to like be so, not so popular, it wasn't like a mainstream culture thing, but it was like very popular in the scene for like a couple years and then all of a sudden it just evaporated.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the bands broke up. Yeah. and And then no one, I think, like by the time everyone had started new bands, everyone had kind of moved on and found something else. Yeah, just matured,
2: or just like their voices were. Yeah, tired of being shredded
1: every night. I mean, I I admit to doing the same thing, and now I'm in this weird quest where I've been trying to buy back all of the records that I sold. You know, <laughs> right, like, right. You know, I would go on like Skylab and sell, sell all my fucking level plane seven inches. Yeah. and Now I'm just like, no, I kept searching my, for them. I kept endlessly. my station LP. And it's malady my retirement inch plan.
2: So bad. It's so With, good. which one? That malady record. I have it on CD, and I God, I want yeah. the LP. But Malady
1: was an anomaly. They were like yeah. they were just, it was just Nirvana. Like, I just know. Like I, nirvana, I, but they
2: were doing it before anyone I thought know. that it was cool. <clears throat> yeah. I I had to interview this band, uh, State Faults, one time, and they're okay. really good and and they sound like that. And they're like twenty years old. And when I interviewed, Does the guitar though,
1: player, though, wear a onesie Carhartt
3: uh, overalls. No, that was what was really special about Malady. <laughs> I, remember, I remember they did a tour with Envy. And it was, like, coming to Columbus, I was living in Cleveland, working at AP, and I didn't go, and then they broke up. Yeah, they broke up on that tour. Yeah. Like, on stage.
2: Really? Mm. Yeah. That's what I remember hearing. I wasn't there. If if anybody's folklore. look up the Malady LP. I've only been able to find it on YouTube, but it's there, and it is just really likable. I've been looking for the Gospel LP.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, my old band, Love Cool, we played some shows with them. Yeah. They were... Awesome, yeah, gospel I was forgot great. Forgot about that. I know they're like the a weird deep wow, cut. I haven't heard era that name
2: that so
1: long. The drumming on those records is yes. incredible.
2: Yes, here's where we get into nerdy <laughs> record oh, territory. God. <laughs> now let's just get read eBay. Get we played out,
3: a show. We played a show with them in Jersey with them and that band Transistor Transistor. Yeah, oh, man, uh-huh. from Connecticut, right? Yeah, and I can't remember like a bunch of other like Mannequin. What was that other band? Oh, uh, like? Mannequin. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh huh. That was like the.
1: No, you know what? I might have been thinking, was Malady also from Richmond?
2: I think so, because I think they shared members with Page 99. But yeah, then yeah. again, Page 99 would okay, get it, yeah. so. Mannequin
1: and Malady confused, because one of them sounded like Norman, and the other one sounded like, I don't know, more like noisy and messy. Right. Like in an awesome way.
2: But it's just my, I, my original point was that, like, it's so weird that that scene, like, just died, and it's almost like there's no trace of it, because, like, a lot of them a lot of those records are not things you can just like find on Spotify or well, yeah, anything it was like, like that. like
1: pre-internet yeah.
2: era but like but, post. but that's what I was saying. I interviewed that band uh, State Faults and again they were like 20 and I and my like main question I was like w- like why do you sound like this? Like where did you hear this? Like yeah, yeah. tell me where you found it. <laughs> like I felt like I found drugs in the kid's room. I was like
3: tell me where you found
2: this. Um, but I was like where, where did this come from, you know? And he was just like I don't know. We just like in the early days of Napster we just like downloaded stuff we just like found this stuff and we got into it and i was like that's awesome because they did it like a really good version of it and
1: or you could do the total opposite thing which is where you could be really into that stuff and then start a band called Fight Fair. Do you guys know about Fight Fair? No. No. Fight Fair was on Triple Crown. They were like overly cheesy super neon color ridiculously over the top kind of pop like pop pop punk so bad. really really bad okay, okay but the kids were all like screamo kids from the bay and they all would post on like vlv and uh like had like jerome's dreams tattoo jerome's dream tattoos and like where their first band was it called band called seeing means more and so there which is like a blatant Jerome's dream reference like they were and they reference bands like orchid and stuff like that in their lyrics in these pop songs about getting like bottle service and really? you know like yeah it's totally was, over so the was, top wait wait so, so if it, you were in a on joke? the joke yeah oh, okay. it was a complete joke to basically start a band to become mega huge when they were actually like gnarly fucking punk kids and if you were in on the joke and you knew it was like the most brilliant thing you were like man this is incredible but if you're were into that stuff you could tell the difference if, well that was the thing people didn't know that they were actually legit and so they would uh and so they would just talk all sorts of shit on this band because the band is like really, really bad. Yeah, but yeah. like, but if you knew that they were like you know treating it like a joke, which they were, and kept a great job of keeping it a secret, you were like, man, this is genius. Like, how did wow? You, I didn't know about that. Investigate it. You're gonna put it on. Okay. And like, this sucks. And then they have a lyric about you know like they have lyrics about VLV and these like fucking pop songs, <laughs> like the you know referencing the skull split you're <laughs> like how did you do
2: that aren't there like <coughs> I, sometimes i'll hear about and sometimes <clears> it's from <throat> you jonah that i'll hear about a band that i have no interest in sort of like along the lines of of a fallout boy that we just like hey we make pop punk you know for like kids and then you find out it's like oh yeah those are just some old hardcore dudes like they knew they'd make money doing yeah. that so it's like that's what they're doing that's what you do um that's funny <laughs> That's,
3: yeah, that's I mean, getting back to why we're broke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, so Jonah, when yeah. are we going to start our band? Uh, <laughs> we're about people doing successful things.
1: Let's start. That's okay. Like everyone I'd played in in screamo bands when I was younger, like they're all the bands they're in now are all radically different. But
2: I was I since I have um since then this I have become like come to know him a little bit. But you know that dude Brian from Penfold, remember him? Yeah. I. You saw a Penfold, probably. You kind of look like him. Uh, he has like full sleeve tattoos, but okay. <laughs> um, tattoos doesn't signify what someone looks but like. He, uh... <laughs> he um, <laughs> you know, I probably saw a Penfold like forty times in every New Jersey VFW hall, and uh, it's really funny because then like that was that was probably two thousand and one or something like two thousand. But uh, then since then, probably like a few years ago, I was working a job. In uh the West Village, in like a big office building, and there were like multiple companies in there, and I would like see him, and he had like his sleeves rolled up, and like I saw the tattoos peeling like, out, and I knew and... who he was. I, I didn't. He, I, he wouldn't know who I was, but like every day, I kind of gave him a look as if to say, like, "Hey, man, it's like a secret handshake." I know,
3: you know, like I, I
2: know you're you're carrying history. your briefcase, but I remember that in <sighs> Philadelphia,
3: like you know. Um, Did you bench press him? <laughs> yeah. yeah have you guys noticed that, that that Dan looks a lot bigger than yeah, usual? Dan is, you... Dan is so buff. He's real buff. Thanks, guys. I mean, what a awesome. cool topic for a podcast. Dude, I don't know. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> now you...
2: Dan's going to do push ups on the audio <laughs> podcast. 51, 52, 53. Guys, I'm doing so many push ups here. 54. <laughs> um, I don't think I've
1: ever seen you without a jacket on. You're right. You the said last that.
2: time I yeah. saw you was like one of the coldest days of the year. Yeah. And today we, it's actually we were one the, of the we were holidays. the brilliant
1: people who decided to go on a full U.S. tour in the month of February. Yeah, yeah. it was freezing. You uh, know, we played in Minneapolis. It was negative twenty-eight degrees. Nice. Are you serious? We had and we and we did a we did a a radio thing and a show, so we
2: had to load in and load out twice in that yeah. weather, which was you had like a awesome. giant jacket on.
1: Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's like super industrial. It's, My mom got me this like LL Bean jacket that's like wearing a you know down comforter. You know, it's like weighs like thirty pounds. <laughs> that's funny
3: that's yeah. amazing so who are some of the other bands that you've kind of toured with in the last couple of years that you looked up to i know you did some stuff with texas as a reason yeah, I did stuff with them
1: um and it's been really cool like our you know the friendships that we've made out of that were like super awesome um and then playing some shows with like matt from the get up kids and uh doing shows with braid um doing shows with owls it's it's i don't know it's just been really awesome just getting to getting to A, be a part of something really special and B, getting to see a lot of bands that I have either didn't get to see or have been um, pretty nostalgic about wanting to see.
2: And you Um, seem like, I think part of your maybe appeal is that like, Every time I see you post something, you're like, "I can't believe I'm playing with Brady. I can't believe I'm playing with Texas." Is the Reason. Dude,
1: getting to say some of that stuff on the microphone too, like with the the first tech. Yeah, the Texas is the Reason show, I got to say, like, "Oh yeah, they're playing next." Like, words I never thought I'd get to say yeah, in my yeah. entire life. Like, if you told fifteen year old me that I'd get to say that fifteen yeah. years
2: later, I would have. Kicked you in the nuts. Mineral seems like an especially, like Frank is opening for them tonight, which I can say because one, it's not a secret anymore. And two, this won't air till after the show. But Frank Turner's <laughs> opening for Into It Over It. or For, um, for, well, yes, for, yes. for Into It Over It. <laughs> and then for Mineral. I'll take any chance to stick it to Frank. But uh, he, like, sells out. Stadiums played you know, the Olympics, like, played the Olympics, played Wembley Arena, once and wants like, to just be a punk for a night, get and, weird, and a, he's just, just being all Omg, I'm gonna open up for Mineral like a little fan girl. It amazing. was pretty
1: cool. He like you know before I deleted it, him, him posting on Facebook about it was pretty awesome. And I got to send him a message, mean like, yeah, dude, it's gonna be wild, you know. Like, uh I didn't know that he at the time too. I didn't know that he was like trying to figure out how to play because he was just like, I bought my flights, I'm coming. You know, I was like, hey, dude, if you're trying to like. If you need a place to sleep. If you need to like get in, you know, like.
2: Just, and that you was know. the amazing thing. He came to New York just to see Mineral. Yeah. Not. Yeah. And then like he, he wasn't even going to. Yeah. Play, yeah. You know? So
1: it's pretty cool that it. Uh, you know, and I haven't played with him since 2010. So it's it's going to get to be cool seeing him yeah. play a small club again, which is. Have you? You've played Vitus before, right? Or no, no? I've never even been. Okay. What's and you know, and I'm saucy about it because the night Nirvana played. Mm-hmm. I was an hour away from here mm. and I could have gone and I had no idea. I would have driven up
3: in the That my was the same night of dispute and pianos played here because those guys all stayed with. All the yeah, and it was like the one night pianos didn't go out and they found out that <laughs> <laughs> and they go to Dude, vitas, like, I was every with them in that neighborhood and like we didn't know it was happening at like yeah. 2 a.m. But yeah. Yeah, no one I knew. Did. And it's like I couldn't have been like, can I get in plus nine? Like no one <laughs> could get in. Yeah, I, I, knew, like, both I was like,
2: huge. my coworker, <coughs> we have like a group text, like all the editors at Noisy and Fred Pissarro. Uh, the editor-in-chief, he sent a text message about one, and I fell asleep, like, hard at, at midnight. Mm-hmm. And he sent a text at, at midnight, like, at one, guys, get down to Vitus now! Like, everybody get down! Like, nobody responded. Like, Nirvana is about to play! Guys, mm-hmm. why aren't you responding? <laughs> like, yeah, and, like, my phone's just going off, and I'm dead asleep. That's <laughs> how so, yeah, it always happens. I miss that. That's but. how
3: it goes. Um, so what else? what else do you have sort of coming up after these shows? Like what's on the? I don't know if. Headliners. Yeah, well, we well you don't have so to give, like specific. Oh dates yeah, we're or doing or like, we're doing
1: some shows in Canada uh, with this band Foxing and this band Kitty Hawk and Kitty Hawk is my girlfriend Kate's band.
2: Nice. Okay.
1: And then um so wait, what's with, it
2: going to be like to go on tour? With yeah, your have girlfriend. you
1: guys toured together? We before? have toured together. How'd that go?
2: It's and you're awesome. doing it again, so that's doing a good it
1: sign. It's it's really awesome, Kate. Before I met Kate, she had toured in a band, and so um, getting to be with someone who actually understands. What the lifestyle is like is a com- was a completely new experience for me, and it's an awesome experience for me because she knows that it's not as glamorous as people might think it is. She knows it's a lot of sitting around and a lot of uh, you know doing fun stuff like this. You know, she, you know, she doesn't need to worry about me like doing blow and hanging out with hookers or something. I don't know. Do would she would do that? They doing they, doing is that a thing right, right, still? Yeah. Even like is this, you know? But I I think that was like the kind of weird romanticized view that people who I dated before kind of thought it was like, like right it's just like a constant party you know what I mean it's that's not what touring's like at all and she knows that and so and furthermore she has um <clears throat> she does costume design and uh and like some minor set design on things around the city of Chicago so she's busy just as much as I am like she's working she just started working on an independent film that's happening in Chicago right now and her hours are longer than mine so I don't need to worry about you know Being on my phone all day or like, you know, trying to track her down. Like I know we're both, you know, doing our own thing and it's, makes it awesome. So touring with her is also really sweet because she gets the routine and she knows what it's like. And, um, and being able to be with someone who understands that is really cool. Do you ever come out and do a song when they're playing? She comes out and does songs with us. Mm -hmm. However, there was a show in her band. She plays organ and the organ acts like a bass. And, uh, and there was a show that she played where her organ broke. And uh, and so they were about to do like, th- they were about to finish their set, which was like another like six songs without bass guitar. And I, this, they played one and it was just like, it was, oh, I like, couldn't believe it. How like, it just, it was missing everything that was like really, really cool about it. And I walked up, I was like, front of the stage, I was like, hey, I know these songs. Like, let me, is there a bass here? Like, let me just plug in and play bass. And yeah, and then played bass for the rest of their set, like just kind of, by ear, remembering what the mm. bass parts were from having listened to them in the house, you know, like over and over and over again, you know, because, well, the band's really good too, which is also really great to date someone who, where you actually like their band.
3: I yeah. <laughs> let, me ask you, let me
1: ask you
2: a super personal question. <clears throat> it's my friend Ben, who has toured multiple times, is a big advocate of saying that it is actually, despite what people think, it is actually super difficult to get weight on tour. Does it at all help having your girlfriend there? Getting laid? Mm-hmm. Is there time for it? <laughs> wait, do you is there mean like, ti- like time? I sleep with my time? girlfriend on tour? I, I, you know what, we've...
1: Well, the times that we've toured together before, it was just her and I in a car. Mm-hmm. Because I was still playing solo and she would just have free time, so she would just come along. Mm-hmm. So in that case, yes.
2: Right. <laughs> but when there's a million other people, is it harder I to get personal time? I can't
1: speak to that answer yet. However, we've toured with bands who are... You know, married couples, like we did a tour with Slingshot Dakota, Mm -hmm. and Tom and Carly were able to find plenty of time, personal time, you know. That makes me happy. uh, And I'm sure they've... I'm not going to get into their personal (laughs) things, but, you know, they seemed like in a very good mood most of the time. Good. (laughs)
2: Like a relaxed, very chill mood.
1: Cool. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we'll see. And, uh, you know, we're playing with American football here in New York in the middle of October. And then, uh, you know, doing... Finishing out the Mineral Run, doing Fest, doing... Um Pygmalion, which is like another show we 're really psyched about, which is on the day that I turn thirty, so it 'll be a wild time in Champaign, illinois cool and have then, champagne um, champagne and then another thing I want to do is i i haven 't gotten to play any solo shows this year since intersections came out, and um have played like three to five of them total, which is when I used to play you know eleven months of solo shows every year, so I wanted to do a couple of tours where I can get to play solo again because the songs lend themselves really well to to that environment and the vibe for all the solo shows this year that i have played has been like super awesome completely different than what it used to be where i'd have to sing over people talking
3: do you prefer to like kind of do it like in stages like do a bunch of band shows and then kind of take a break from that and do solo or do you like kind of mixing it up more like
1: um i think it depends more on the tour you know if we get offered a tour you know it seemed like for a minute we weren't going to be able to do the band on this tour and you know i kind of reached out and was like hey like would it be weird if i did solo and the general response from everyone was yeah it'd be totally weird <laughs> if you played solo and so i was like all right well we got to figure the band out <laughs> and uh thankfully we were able to but uh you know i think depending on the vibe of the tour depending on the vibe of the band and if it's supporter headlining like um ethical likes is a lot of factors that that help it or change it
3: so it's not just like i feel like doing this it's like other external things you have to take into consideration totally yeah. but i mean at
1: this point i've been doing the band nonstop for about two years now and so i'm ready to do i'm ready to play solo some more. you know like i think at the time when i'd switched over to the band i was like fuck playing solo i just want to play with, i just want to be loud for a change you know and after two years i'm kind of like okay i'm ready to just drive in a car and be really casual again for a couple times and you know treat it more like a vacation or you know be able to not have to worry about parking a van and trailer somewhere just yeah be able to park a car and hang out and walk around because that's the for me that's the best part of tour is just like eating good food and like finding the record store and you know exploring a city or doing something fun which what <clears> been <throat> your
2: favorite city to hit on tour my favorite city to hate <laughs> yeah well to hit yeah but a hit on tour for what Player uh, as far as like, well, you're saying like you like to take in like the food and the record stores. Like, what's your favorite? Like, oh man, this I mean, I love going back is...
1: to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I love my favorite record store. Uh, well, for the longest time, my favorite record store is in Baltimore, Maryland. Now it's in Gainesville, Florida.
2: Okay, um, is it Arrow? Arrow's name. Yeah, Holy yeah, yeah. moly, mm-hmm. it is I outrageous. It's like a pilgrimage, then. <laughs> dude. It's there. it's the no idea store. It's like the gosh, oh, really? no idea okay. open a record we're store. We're playing fest too. So okay. maybe, <laughs> maybe I, well, I think we're only gonna be there for a day, but I'm it's gonna try. Ignorant. And
3: like okay.
1: every each, every time I've been in there, I've spent over five hundred dollars.
3: What? And it, and it's because
1: you see stuff you've been like, no, 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 no. no, no I don't. You, but you you walk in and it's just stuff you've been. It's stuff that you've never even seen in person. You're like, okay, I've I've heard this is like a a rumor that the record <laughs> existed and you have it just like it's sitting out yeah and so you're you just like well i'm never going to see this again so i gotta buy it and you, you like the store too because the people who run it are really cool sure. like they like the last time we went they were like dude you got so much stuff is there anything you put back and i was like yeah and they were like just take it you really know? so they were you know they're so awesome and really really friendly and then celebrated summer is my favorite store in baltimore which is um tony from deep sleep store okay which is a really really great store as well it's just super it's about the size of this room that we're speaking in which is maybe like what is this 20 square feet yeah it's small so it's just like super small not a lot of bins but all quality so it's it makes for a really easy and pleasant shopping experience and then like double decker in allentown but there's no reason to go to allentown aside from going to double decker in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and aside from that i mean you know what uh oklahoma city has a great record store called uh called size which mm-hmm. is right next to the conservatory and um i mean really you f- hit the nail on the head that's basically all we do is eat and like listen to records so. right 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 and do blow and do blow with hookers yes. right with them yeah, yeah with rappers. your girlfriend right with bottle service right on vlv <laughs> with Aaron b brown
2: um <laughs> Does, uh, and my mom, not texting. Does your mom like? <laughs> your, does your mom like your girlfriend? Love you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I had to ask that because she's. I don't know she, if she we've has imagined an, this. Yeah, she has such a presence. You're like. Yeah, I feel like she's a silent character in Dude, this the interview. Best, the
1: best too is when we'll make posts about the band, you know, like from the inter from the Intuit Over it Facebook, you know, whatever, or like on the Intuit Over it site, and she'll respond as if she's talking to me, and then, <laughs> and then kids will say something maybe negative or like a little like. You know, sarcastic or something, or they'll make a joke, like an inside joke that right. me, that we have together, and she'll respond to them, like oh. defending me. You know, <laughs> and what, so what does Aaron B. Brown think of your girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> I bet I bet he would like her. Yeah. Well, I don't know. She. I bet he would. Uh, do you guys ever watch? <laughs> do you ever watch Boardwalk Empire?
3: I've seen no. a little bit.
1: Do you know the character that's played by uh, Michael Shannon? Right, where he's like a he starts out as like this gnarly. Um, like probe, like anti-prohibition officer. Like he's an officer trying to like defeat,
0: okay. like enforce
1: the laws of prohibition. And uh, but he has this like gnarly dark side, you know, and like whips himself with a belt and like. Um, man, I'm just picking on Aaron B. Brown right <laughs> now. <aren't> I know, <laughs> I love where this. Sorry, is no sorry, Aaron B. Brown.
2: <laughs> you got a dark side, and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till listen to Aaron B. Brown's podcast. Oh, he's
1: going to write a gnarly where response. He tears this apart. Someone's going to link him. He's going to tweet him to the Going Off Track podcast. It's going to be you. You <laughs> messed with the wrong sad boy, motherfucker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that B stands for beat down. That's the, other, <laughs> that's the weird thing, too. Like, you Your music, any write-up you see, has such a, like, uh, you know, People always attach it to being sad.
1: I don't know why they do that. I, you know, like they said that about the video yesterday too. Like, oh, it's such a sad video. It's like, or like, oh, it like, yeah, they like said it was like, oh, now I'm so depressed. It's like it's not depressing. The dog is in a cape and he saves the day. What's <laughs> depressing about it? You should watch that video and be like psyched, you know, and like pet your dog, snuggle a little bit, be like, love you, little guy, and then
2: you know, I don't know. But also, you're not like a very you don't. Well, the times that I've met you, not like a very sad person.
1: I'm not. Yeah, but that's what you know. It's that's what writing songs is for. Mm.
2: Do you ever get that like sort of like depression that you fall into, and then that's your most S- prolific? Sometimes, period? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: They're like the the my best stuff. I feel like has come out of the most difficult life experiences. But I think that's can be safe
2: can be safely said for most writers. You know, right? What I mean? like, um, but do you ever get people who are like, man, your music? Like, I listened to it when I was at the worst part of my life like i know a lot of like yeah emo and, bands that i am friends with will get that sort of like your music saved me or yeah whatever.
1: no and i think that's that's like one of the best compliments i think you can give a musician you know like <laughs> i connected really deeply with this thing you did and it helped me get through this really difficult time and it's like well cool because me writing that helped me get through a difficult time right you know? so it's it's cool that it can it can correlate and that's that's absolutely like when people say that that's like the most what's
2: rewarding. like the most the most. uh jarring email or interaction that you've ever gotten from a fan jarring like something that was just like wow this is a lot bigger than I realize with this thing that I'm doing
1: um I don't know if there's any moment in particular the ones that are hardest to talk about are when someone's dealing with like death Mm. or you know like oh you know, my mom passed away and this really helped and it's kind of like that's such a sensitive like you don't want to encroach on how they you know their feelings about it and you don't want to make them feel like um, like you don't care that it's harder to connect because you you know you know I didn't know the person that really meant a lot to you, but I'm sorry for your loss, you know, and I can relate to the to the thought of losing a friend or losing a family member, you know, um, you know, and it's interesting how personal people will get, and I've, I'm guilty of it too. I've done it with with bands when I was younger, you really, know, like yeah, totally, you know, and it's you don't realize what you're saying. I think when you're when it's like. Uh, something that's so personally when it's something so personal to you and you have been waiting so long to maybe get it off your chest for somebody else you don't realize how like you know how huge that can seem to somebody or just how like what you know like take someone aback you know but it's just like you have to talk about it yeah you know it's kind of like a coping mechanism so I'm totally able to understand that and you know, I completely get it. Yeah, it's really. I just don't want people. I just don't want that to ever happen. And me be like, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, and like feel have maybe like that's. I just would hate to feel like I'm not saying the right thing to make people feel like I care. Or you know, or like,
2: you know, it's just hard to. Well, there's this added element to it where it's like <clears throat> the song or the album or whatever it is has helped this person, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing thing. I almost don't want to possibly taint it. Yeah, like you don't. like vision that you have of me. Because I know I'm not. I know I'm not that. Sure, kind of vision, how you know? can
1: you be? There's no way to be. Yeah, you know? and 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 so you know I've I yeah that's like so difficult. You don't want to say the wrong thing or make people feel like this thing that's really important to them wouldn't be as important to me just through by, like a small interaction. You know, and so, uh, but I get that. I get where all of that's coming from. You know, and I get that that's important and something that has to be like shared. You know, like it means this much, you know, that's, that's huge.
0: Again, this episode of Going Off Track has been brought to you by Commonwealth Press, screen printers, and all around good dudes. Remember, for six free t-shirts added to your order, go to their site, cwpress.com slash podcast for more information. Commonwealth Press, screen printing and design, cwpress.com.
4: Wow, I'm into that podcast and not over it. Why? You've been waiting for like hours to make that literally
3: pun. just popped into my head. And I half of my brain power is like, should I not say this?
4: Is it too dumb? But I no, said you, it. You had to say it. And you know, Dan Ozzie wouldn't tolerate a, a pun like that, but I'm glad he was there.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Dan, for coming by. Thanks, Evan. You guys are, these are great guys.
4: Yeah, man. You always bring in great people. I think it's half the the battle is Jonah is just a cool dude to hang out with. And something that was told to me a long time ago, and I took it to heart, and it holds true, I think, for everybody on this podcast, is um what you hear is what you get. If you see Jonah in a band, if you ha- are interviewed by him or you see me doing something, say this fun uh new show I'm working on for Yahoo called Fan Connection. It's just us, man. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> I don't true. I don't think we I don't think we have the brain power to put on airs.
3: No, it's too hard. That's why I try not to lie because
4: I'm just bad at it, <laughs> and I'll instantly uh, forget. I'm a I'm a great liar. I'm in the studio right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. FaceTime.com slash going off track. Hey, you hear that? That's um, that's my phone ringing, and it's welcome to the jungle, and this is uh, my wife calling. Yeah, that's right. Wow, I, I declined that one. Let me think of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bold move. I got We got to go. I have to, we have to go. out have to call her back right now. All right.
3: Uh, yeah. Visit us online. Donate. Say hi. See you next week.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter.